0: The onslaught of deeply troubling news just doesn't seem to let up. Two weeks ago, I was reeling from the shooting at a boomer's potluck at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Birmingham. This one hit especially close to home. I was still grappling with how I might respond when the decisions came down one after another from the Supreme Court, striking down reproductive rights, striking down the EPA's ability to combat climate change, and yet expanding the right of New Yorkers to carry guns in public. One coming after another, I felt sick, unmoored, I was simultaneously filled with rage and yet despondent. If I'm honest, it felt actually like a pretty good week to have COVID and have no choice but just to sleep and sleep. But I can't stay there, closing my eyes to it all, nor do I want to. But what to do? How can we respond to overwhelming hurt and fear on such a widespread level? Settling in to write this sermon with this as one form of response for me, I recognized the temptation to lean hard in the direction of self-righteousness to use this church's teachings to rail against all that has happened. I could tell you, for example, about how since 1967, the Episcopal Church has maintained, and I quote, its unequivocal opposition to any legislation on the part of the national or state government's which would abridge or deny the right of individuals to reach informed decisions about the termination of pregnancy and to act upon them. Our church teaches that women are to make decisions regarding their own bodies, full stop. Or I could tell you about Bishops Against Gun Violence, a group of more than 100 of Episcopal bishops who have come together in teaching and lobbying and working every way they can for sensible gun reform. I could tell you how their leadership is a bright light in our church. I could tell you about these things and it might feel good in the moment. We might be glad to pat ourselves on the back. We could celebrate the church's stance And in truth, I am glad that these leaders are standing up. But I'm not sure it would actually help us to move forward. For that, we don't need self-righteousness. We need clues about what God is up to and where we are being called. We need discernment. The Apostle Paul is not generally the first person I would look to for guidance on discernment in place of self-righteousness. This is something that he struggles with rather a lot. But I think his back and forth with the Galatians has some starting points for us. Paul, just as a reminder of where we are showing up in this letter, Paul has planted this church in Galatia. He spent a good deal of time there with him while he was recovering from an injury and they were nursing him back to health. And it had looked like things were taking off for this young church. It seemed hopeful. But after he leaves, other teachers step in they contradict Paul teaching with, with exacting words about who is in and who is out. They draw the circle close and tight, holding that people have to fully convert to Judaism, including being circumcised, in order to belong to this new community of Jesus. It creates a, a kind of spiritual whiplash for the community. Who should they listen to? How should they live together? When Paul learns about this change in message from his successors, he is furious. That is not the community that he built. That's not the way it's supposed to be. I think it can be tempting to read this letter with a a tone of spite, as in, Watch out, you suckers. You are going to reap what you sow. But remember, remember that he loves this community dearly. That he's invested his time and his heart with them. It must be something else. Instead, I think Paul is being honest about the risks they are running following these teachings of exclusion. And then he's also offering them a way forward. As I've sat with this letter, it's, it's settled out for me as a tool of discernment, a way to help us plot our first steps and, and decide to aim ourselves in one direction or another, especially when everything feels so murky. I think the passage can be boiled down to two questions. First, will what we do be planting seeds towards the spirit? And second, is this way working for the good of all? Each question is as simple as it is sweeping. First, planting towards the Spirit. This is admittedly guesswork, trying to plant towards the Holy One, and yet we have all been around the block and through the ringer enough times that I think we can guess reasonably well. Will throwing stones and spewing vitriol get us closer to this goal? Tempting as it might be sometimes, I think we know. And when we're not sure, the passage in Paul's letter just before this one that we heard last Sunday can help. There, Paul is already working on this idea, and he teaches the struggling church about the fruits of the Spirit. If we're not sure about a choice, we look to the fruit it bears, and that tells us much of what we need to know. It's the same idea here. If we are hoping to plant seeds in the direction of the spirit, we can look toward what has borne good fruit in the past. What has brought out more kindness, more generosity, more joy? What has helped us to be patient, to be faithful, to love well? Start there. Plant more of these seeds. And the second question Will what we do work for the good of all, of all people? Who is set free by a particular choice and who is set back by it? Who is fed and who is sent away empty? Would our action draw the circle larger, stretch it even wider? Or would it circle the wagons tighter to the good of those we already know? Are we planting towards the spirit and is it working for the good of all? These are the questions I want to ask myself and ask together in this community as we face the challenge and the opportunity of living in this place and this time. This way of the Spirit and of seeking good for all people, this way that Paul teaches is how we reach for that new creation that God is always calling us into, that she's continually making with us if we will but join her. It's who we are. At our core, as people of resurrection, we know that the story often starts in great pain. It starts at the cross, it continues in the tomb. And so we show up there. We face that sordid reality. And all the while, we trust that we will not stay there. God is already at work in the rising, in making all things new. No matter how tough it gets, God is working to bring this new creation into being. As for our part, we get to choose. Together, we keep discerning how we can plant towards the Spirit and work towards the good of all.